Welcome to Tax Bites for Expats, the top tax tips you want to know as an expat. The podcast is here to help answer the common queries and concerns expats have when moving to or from Ireland. Complex taxes explained simply. We'll focus on the Irish and international tax issues to be aware of to ensure you save time, money and stress. Hi, my name is Stephanie Wickham from expattaxes.ie. You're listening to the Tax Bites for Expats podcast, the show that explains the do's and don'ts of income taxes for people who are moving to or from Ireland. So today we are talking to the lovely Laura Sant of CA Tax International on all the tax tips that you wish you knew before you moved to Ireland from the UK or if you're planning a move that you will be delighted you know about. And I suppose from our perspective, this is something that we see very regularly. Uh, Clients coming to Ireland with a list of quite common questions or concerns about the actions that they need to take before they move here to make sure that they don't inadvertently cause any unnecessary tax headaches for themselves. Post-COVID as well, we've seen such a newfound interest in uh, individuals moving to Ireland from overseas, whether it be uh, an emigrant who'd moved overseas many years ago and has decided to come back, or perhaps a retired couple who want to come to live in Ireland to spend their retirement years, and then even the cohort who are working remotely for their UK employer. So we've seen it all and uh, we do quite a bit of work with Laura and I know she's got some amazing tips to share today. But before she cracks on with that, Laura, thank you so much for joining us um, and please take this chance to tell us a little bit about your background and what got you into the world of tax. Um, Thanks ever so much for having me, Stephanie. It's lovely to be here. Um, So in terms of me and my background, I trained to be an accountant at one of the big four accountancy firms, PricewaterhouseCoopers. Um, and while I was there, I worked in their global mobility tax team, similar to yourself. So we would work with multinational companies who had expatriate populations that they would send either into or out of the UK on assignment um, for a variety of lengths of time. And we would work with both the individual and the company in order to ensure that the individual's tax affairs were, were kind of set up right as a result of the kind of cross-border working. I did that um, for about three and a half years. And then in 2016, I moved to my family firm. I've got to be honest, at that stage, I didn't think I'd get many opportunities to carry on with this niche of expatriate tax. However, it turns out I was incredibly wrong on that. Um, And I think probably the pandemic and Brexit have have contributed to a larger number of individuals working for for smaller companies. employers who have decided that actually they wish to relocate the employers wish to retain them and um, as a result I'm kind of seeing an awful lot more work um, in in, in that regard so yeah that's kind of me in a bit of a nutshell well it's not really though Laura you're you're too modest because the thing I love about Laura is she's done this great intro and you have amazing experience from a tax perspective but you also managed somewhere in the middle of that to become a doctor of chemistry. <laughs> so it should really have introduced you as Dr. Laura Sam, which is your proper title. Please tell us how in the middle of having children, training as an accountant and running your own tax practice, you've had time to also just casually on the side get a PhD in chemistry because <laughs> I think it's brilliant. <laughs> Well, I actually, I, I started off in chemistry. I, I went to university. Um, I did my degree. I actually spent a year in France while I was doing my degree. Um, hence, I suppose, 
probably why I got put into the global mobility tax team because I've had my own little experience of being an expat and then I decided to to stay on and, and, and do a PhD I absolutely love the theory of of chemistry I love figuring out how things work however I'm ridiculously clumsy so <laughs> there was only so far I was able to to really take the the chemistry side of things um and my father said Laura I really I really think you would um enjoy accounting and in particular I think tax would uh, would float your boat uh, and he was right um as 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 parents are all too often unfortunately <laughs> and here you are now um so I mean you hit on something there that I think is is it's kind of common for both of us when we work with people because you know tax is quite a dry topic um but I often see when we're working with people that it it really can be a source of stress and you know you mentioned you'd lived in France and you know our background is that we'd been in Australia for eight years and we came back to Ireland and when you're planning a move like that it's just it's unbelievable the things that you have to kind of the hoops you jump through to move from one location to another you know tax aside it's just you know selling a property finding a property in Ireland at the moment you know moving jobs getting kids into school you know a list of things plethora of things and the stress that comes with it so you know I think the aim today is to kind of in bite size kind of easy to digest way we're going to summarize the you know the tips for people you know what do you add to your to-do list when you're leaving the UK you're moving to Ireland and no nobody is better placed than you to give it to run us through them so what would be your recommendations Laura when someone you know they contact you they're planning to move what's the first thing that you would say to them in terms of what's on their to-do list my first top tip is is get advice as you mentioned there is is so many things to consider at the point when you are relocating from one country to another and and I've dealt with so many people who have who have contacted me maybe a year after they've relocated uh, and you know they maybe will say well I, I, I want I want to be non-resident mm. for that period and you go well you know that's not how the UK statutory residence test works. Getting the advice at the right time um, is, 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 is pretty key. Um, I think you'll probably um, agree that the expat tax is probably one of the few areas of of legitimate, good quality tax planning. Um, yeah, agree. But I suppose that the clue is in the name. Planning is 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 only as as it's only good if you actually plan for it. Um, so so yeah, exactly. And I think as well, you know, there's there's so many different providers out there who who can kind of help with those questions and you know the key then as well is to speak to somebody you know like yourself who has experience who who deals with the same things you know to us a routine but I suppose it's about getting the right advice at the right time Um, completely agree Um, you know we get we speak to people I've been here for a year and a half and you just kind of cringe and go oh okay how do we break it to them <laughs> not always bad news there sometimes can be um, saving graces but I completely agree I mean that's such a it's it's a kind of a golden rule I think arriving in Ireland or leaving another jurisdiction you know just try and make time half an hour an hour to have a quick chat with somebody before you get on the plane and and, and it can really make all the difference to what happens down the line yeah great tip I think the fundamentals with the UK and Ireland is we have fairly similar tax regimes um fairly 
similar levels of tax i mean it sounds like ireland probably have slightly higher levels of tax than than, than the uk does um but um you know and there's a double tax treaty in place to prevent kind of double taxation wherever possible um but there, there there are certain instances um where there where if you get things set up right um hypothetically neither country might want to tax it so you know if you if you can get that plan in place oh yeah legitimately completely yeah i think as well though you know just on that point i'm really glad you mentioned the double tax agreements because you know i hear the same comments over and over again about double tax agreements and I'm not sure if we have Google to blame or if there's urban myths that circulate on the internet. But people say things like, well, there's a double tax agreement in place, so I can't be taxed twice. Or, well, I paid my taxes in the UK, so the treaty will then mean I don't have to pay it in Ireland. And the reality is there is an element of truth to, to people's understanding. But I'm sure you're similar to myself, come across those statements. And really, when people rely on that you know, limited and often incorrect knowledge of how the treaties work, they really do run the risk of making a mistake that can cost them quite a lot of money. Do you come across that where people have kind of a just a just a misunderstanding as to what double tax agreements do and, you know, how it actually applies to them? Oh, definitely. And that actually brings me on nicely to, to, to tip number two, which is make sure you understand where your income is coming from. Um, because if you... Um, you know, even if you leave the UK, if you continue to have UK sources of income, you will need to continue to report it and pay tax on it um, to HMRC. Um, it may be there are some reliefs available per the double tax treaty, but fundamentally, um, if, if if you are receiving income from the UK, HMRC will want to tax you as a, as a starting point. And you, you do sometimes get individuals who um, don't don't seem to have grasped it and have gone many years without paying taxes um, in in the UK on their UK sources of income. And, you know, we come across that as well. You're probably the same. The nightmare scenario where somebody has reported income incorrectly in the wrong country, years and years have gone by, and then they're time-barred from getting the refund back, but they still have a trailing obligation. Now, that's a worst-case scenario, and hopefully we don't see it. But, yeah, I completely agree. There's so much caution needs to be exercised there just... Uh, being clear about where your income comes from and who actually has the right to tax it um, is a really good tip. Yeah, and I was going to say, in in terms of kind of people who are relocating UK to Ireland, that there's kind of a couple of particular sources of income that, if it's okay, I just wanted to 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 cover off quickly. Yeah, of course. Um, the, the the first is is um, rental income. So if you have a UK based property and you're renting it out, HMRC will see you as a non resident landlord. And effectively, they will want you to file tax returns on an annual basis. Um, if you're a if if you're a Brit, or even if you're an Irish national, um, you know, just because you're a non-resident doesn't necessarily mean you get no personal allowance. The majority um, will get um, personal allowances. So effectively, um, you, you know, you might not necessarily create a tax. Obligation, but you do have a um, requirement to report it to HMRC. Um, just to be aware, there are a few people um, who have been um, non-resident for quite some time. I think HMRC during the early two thousands wrote to a whole bunch of people, uh, a whole bunch of non-resident landlords, and said, "Actually, we don't want you to file tax returns anymore." Their advice has now changed, um, and if you're non-resident landlord, they want you to file um, tax returns. Um, the the se- the second um, source of income. 
that's worth just kind of flagging. Um, and I think we talked about potentially doing a, a, another a podcast in relation to, to that is um, a lot of people that you and I are speaking to, Stephanie, are people who are relocating from the UK to Ireland, but remaining with their UK-based employer. Yeah, so common And um, that adds levels of complication and any UK-based workday that you undertake in, in that sort of scenario is going to be taxable in the UK. It makes things more complicated and it means that you, you're likely to need to continue to file UK tax returns in order to reconcile your tax affairs year on year. It's it's just, it's a minefield. Definitely, I agree. Yeah, another podcast because so common now, so common, really, really is. Um, and I suppose, yeah, the other one that we see, I'm not sure how often you come across it, is, you know, people moving to Ireland with their UK state pension. Um can get quite confusing for people because obviously you know under the treaty Ireland gets the right to tax it and there's a few hoops to jump through isn't there to kind of avoid any tax on the UK side but um all fun and games (laughs) on top of loading a van and finding a house and getting a PPS it's it is a bit of a minefield but I, I think with the right advice and a bit of a step plan doesn't really need to be too complicated does it if you you know if you kind of the first year for me is the bit where people get to grasp with all these issues and then it's about kind of just staying up to date with your obligations and making sure that you know you've got the right advice and you're paying the right amount of tax and and no more (laughs) nobody wants to pay more tax than they have to exactly I think I think that that that's that's quite right and as you say when it comes to the pensions you know making sure you're understanding which country you're supposed to be paying the tax in because that's one of the areas where if people don't realize and then they have to rectify it and they've been doing it for too long mm. they may find that actually they can't reclaim the amount of tax they need to be able to to cover the tax liability in the other country not a good situation not a good situation so your third tip laura what would be your third tip third tip is um a travel calendar is an expat's best friend especially when you are um Going to a country like Ireland, which is so close in proximity to the the UK, um, we, we haven't touched on very much and we don't really have time to go through the statutory residence test in, in um, much detail. But um, in the UK, we use this statutory residence test to determine your UK tax residency position. And um, it's basically, it's a series of tests and it looks at how many days you spend um, in the UK, what you're doing whilst you're in the UK. So fundamentally, um, from from HMRC's perspective, um, if they ever ask to look into your tax affairs, that's the sort of evidence that they will want to see. And if you're kind of a, a borderline case where you know, you are relocating um, or kind of traveling between the two countries um, on, on a few occasions each each year, especially once again, if you've got that link back for work and you have to go back work-wise, there's a possibility that your tax advisor will kind of need to see um, the, the the travel calendar as, as, as well. Um, obviously, if you spend more than 183 days in the UK, you are going to be a UK tax resident. If you spend fewer than um, 15 days in the UK you're going to be a UK tax non-resident those are kind of the clear-cut ones but anything in between we really need to to have an understanding um and I think um and Stephanie you might be able to to kind of um agree or disagree but I think as well like if you have an understanding as to how many days you can spend in in a country um with you know, without or with being considered a, a tax resident, um, if you're keeping a travel calendar on a real-time basis, it helps to flag up at what stage 
um, things might be a, be a challenge for you. Yeah, totally. I completely agree. And, you know, I think, oh, thankfully, we live in the age where people have access to flight records and things like that um, quite easily through their Gmail account or whatever their email is. But yeah, I, I completely agree with that. You know, not always completely crucial in every circumstance, but definitely something that you, you it's very difficult to kind of go back and figure out, particularly if you've been coming over on the ferry or, you know, you've been travelling between Northern yeah. Ireland and Ireland across the border. Um, travel diary, great thing to have, com- completely agree. I was going to say as well, if you are doing that, if you have that scenario where you are working in in, in both countries, keeping a record of, of when you're working mm. in, in both countries and and kind of the the amount of times that you're working, we have we have something in the UK called full time work um, outside of the UK. Part of that um, scenario is that you have to work an average of at least thirty five okay. hours per week, um, and it, it you know in a situation where maybe you're contracted to work thirty five hours per week, but the reality is you end up working longer. If you keep a record of of the hours actually worked, if HMRC ever ever look into it, once again you've got something to to to, to back up um, why you're claiming to be non-resident by, by means of that test mm, yeah Laura thank, thank you so much like I mean three really useful easy to put in place tips that can make all the difference Um, you know coming back to your point there about the difference between the tax rate in Ireland and the UK the reality is moving to Ireland you are moving to a very high tax jurisdiction if you're an individual you know I think there's so much in the media about how the corporate tax rate here is so low yeah. but there's such a disparity between that and what individuals pay so from an Irish perspective the tips you've given are useful from a UK perspective but they're also really good from an Irish perspective because if the individual is getting advice in the UK before they come here chances are the advisor is going to allude to some of the issues that we see when they arrive in Ireland and that's definitely a topic for another day but this has been brilliant thank you so much um, and I know we do quite a lot of work together and have supported many people but yeah we really enjoy working with you and really grateful for you making yourself available today to to put this really good content together no worries Stephanie thanks for having me and, and likewise lovely working with you too thanks Laura cheers bye bye Thanks for listening to Tax Bites for Expats. Please do leave a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcast. And as always, remember to take professional tax advice specific to your personal circumstances before acting or refraining from action in connection with the matters dealt with in this series. The material in this podcast is intended to give general guidance only.